Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, please let the people know who you are and what you do, if you don't mind. Sure. My name is Ron Corey. I am a local Las Vegan. Um, wrote a book recently, which I'm in the midst of marketing. But other than that, I'm a retired businessman. I've owned about 20 businesses in Las Vegas since arriving here in 1973. Awesome. Um, your resume is extensive. And with all the experiences that you've had, you know, what would you consider the source of your drive to be? You know, as a child, I grew up wanting to make things happen. I didn't just get a job and plan on doing that for 30 years. I was always looking for change. Um, when I didn't find college to be to my liking, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. That ended up uh, sending me to California. And fortuitously, the Vietnam War was winding down as I graduated boot camp. So instead of being shipped to war, the Marine Corps ended up having to find a place to put all the recruits that were uh, trained for war. And I ended up in Barstow, California, which is a two, mile, two hour drive from Las Vegas. So on weekends, I would drive to Vegas, stay with an aunt and uncle that lived here and found it to be a unique small town in 1972 and three that when I completed my tour of active duty, I thought I'd give it a try before moving back to New York and uh, clearly never left. I sort of found my fortune here and pursued the same desire for change that I found as a youth. Uh, came to Vegas as a casino dealer. And as I worked my way through the, the different games that I dealt, I was always thinking about something new to do and that took me on a path of becoming a realtor, which was the job I could actively engage in during the day while my dealing shifts were at night. And as a result of being a dealer, I found a business opportunity for a client. He didn't buy it. I did. And that got me in my first tavern. And my book, Tenacity, walks people through this in much greater detail especially of interest to people who dream about being an entrepreneur and wonder how to get started because my story actually is getting started in business without any significant money in the bank. Right. And that's always, um, you know, you can attribute that ability to, I guess, just being open to opportunity and knowing how to identify opportunity. Um, I've heard you being described as a niche finder. If you could kind of talk about that a little more, you know, how did you develop the ability to spot opportunity and when do you think that came about to be? Well, it was a self-realization as I, as I wrote my book and you try, when you're writing an autobiography, it's kind of odd because we go through our lives, not wanting to appear conceited, not talking about ourselves but when you're writing an autobiography, you need to spend time talking about yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, in the search for a title, I, I termed myself an observational entrepreneur. And in answer to your question more specifically, when I went into the tavern business, unlike taverns of today, video poker had not yet been invented. 
you needed to just generate revenue by selling drinks. And the first tavern I bought was the traditional Las Vegas tavern that sold cocktails. It had the old style two slot machines in the corner that local Las Vegans never played. And not until video poker was invented by a gentleman I actually knew named Cy Red, who is ultimately the developer of IGT, International Game Technology, he took his video poker idea to billionaire heights. And that changed the nature of the tavern business where you went from selling drinks and generating a couple of hundred dollars a day in revenue to run your business with to being a gaming operation where you were generating hundreds of thousands of dollars per month in handle and hoping your machines won more than they lost. And uh, it was a great challenge. And I parlayed that first tavern, which when I was a dealer thinking about what to get into, I thought, well, I don't have an attorney's degree or an accountant's degree. I know I want to do more than just be a dealer for the rest of my life. What could I do? And when this tavern opportunity presented itself, I realized I was in great shape as a former Marine. So security would take care of itself. Uh, I felt I was a personable person being a blackjack roulette dealer. You were always engaging with your customers to generate tips, which was the bulk of your income. And uh, I thought a tavern could be something I could do. That proved to be quite successful. So I parlayed that into four total taverns, added food, learned by hands-on training how to operate a restaurant. And those four taverns, talking about being a niche finder, one of the things I observed was a lot of limousine drivers would come into my bar after their shift and tell me about their day. Well, the town at the time had mostly what they call in the industry formal limousines. They were just slightly longer than a, a large town car or, or a Cadillac. And they did airport runs. The, the vehicles would load up people and luggage and bring them to their hotel and mm. run back to the airport. There were only, uh, there were under a half a dozen stretch limousines in Las Vegas, believe it or not. Hotels had yet to find that niche. So they didn't own their own limos. And I envisioned operating a stretch limousine company, limited to stretch limousines. Uh, I had my chauffeurs attired in tuxedos, which was not being done, and found that in opening presidential limousine service in 1984, I found a niche that had a great market. That company grew to four cars before I was approached by one of the other limousine companies to buy me out rather than compete with me. And now I think I, I started something because there's hundreds of stretch limousines in Las Vegas today. Absolutely. No, that's amazing. Um, I do want to touch on kind of taking something from, you know, thought to actual product or actual reality. Um, you know, when do you think you learned that process? Because a lot of people, even especially in this day, rather, you know, kind of have all these ideas, but they're never able to actualize them. Yeah. Um, and you've done this countless times, but if you could recall 
where that framework came from and what some of the elements that comprise that framework are? Well, you know, it wasn't formal training. For example, my book describes I was around 14 years old and uh, I didn't come from great wealth. I lived in Brooklyn, New York. My parents both worked. And for Christmas one year, my dad gave me an old style wooden shoebox because I went to Catholic school for eight years and you had a uniform, white shirt, tie, and your shoes needed to be shined. So for Christmas, my gift was a shoebox. And I could certainly shine my own shoes to prepare for school, but I, I developed that into an opportunity. And in the 1960s, I took my shoebox before school to the subway stop at the bottom of my street and shined shoes for businessmen going to work on Wall Street for 10 cents a shine. Now, that today doesn't sound like a lot of money, but for a kid, 14 years old, yeah. one, the inspirational accomplishment of making something from nothing, taking a gift like a shoebox and generating revenue from it, it was a great motivator. And I would make 50 cents or a dollar before I had to be at school at nine o'clock. And uh, it sort of started there. And when, when you have success, you're further motivated to do it more. So uh, serving in the Marine Corps, of course, would be everything anyone would envision. But then when I got to town in Vegas as a civilian, as a dealer and a realtor, getting into the tavern business, as I said earlier, uh, Cy Red developed video poker. And a buddy of mine who I met in the Marine Corps moved to Vegas with me at the same time. We were roommates. When we got married, we bought houses side by side. We raised our children together as friends. And when I purchased my first tavern, Dan Hughes was my business partner. Well, his skill set was screen printing from where he enlisted in Philadelphia. They screen printed signs and flags. Well, in Las Vegas, slot machine fronts were screen printed. But there was no market for that because the only slot machine manufacturer early on was Bally's, who had their own print shop. Dan became the manager of that print shop. When Cy Red developed video poker and people realized that a good idea with a computer chip could develop new gaming machines, the world market was filled with slot developers who didn't want to build their own cabinets, build their own steel frames, or print their own slot glass. So uh, as a niche finder, Dan and I developed Suburban Graphics, which was going to be an independent printer of slot glass. So we would protect the confidentiality of a slot manufacturer who was developing a new game design. We wouldn't share it with their competitors. And we took a small business administration loan of $100,000, parlayed that into a company that would do over $12 million a year in sales with over 100 employees and went from a small 2,000 square foot leasehold property where we started into 48,000 square feet of building that we ended up owning the real estate and operating our business from before 20 years passed and we sold it to another company and uh, then opted to retire and uh, other businesses that my book describes uh, 
one had no relation to another, but we opened the glass and mirror company. Uh, I got into the automobile dealership business and uh, kept spreading my wings with new challenges. Not only do you do that to make money, that's always a great reward because you could enhance your quality of life, raise your family in a manner that you want to. But it was also a great feeling of accomplishment to take an idea, make it happen and fulfill it successfully. But in answer to your earlier question, grabbing the bull by the horns is how someone takes an idea and makes it happen. It's not always easy to forfeit a job that earns you a good living. You punch a clock and you can get by, but to take a risk, put your money on the line and risk giving it all up if you fail, someone needs to have the gumption to grab the bull by the horns and pursue that kind of opportunity. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Let's talk about the importance of having the right kind of people in place. Um, You know, obviously that's a that adds to the success in various um, different businesses. And it's hard to do everything by yourself. We're seeing that in, in the modern context with young entrepreneurs that think they can do everything by themselves, including myself. Every, you know, I've started several companies and I just ego takes over pride takes over you don't feel like you have the people skills to motivate people you don't have the money to pay people so I want to ask you um, in your early days you know how were you able to gather the right people and 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 sell them on that vision and sell them and, and make them be a part of the mission rather well as an entrepreneur you need to develop I guess you need to develop the skill to find the right people for the right position And if it's not working, don't let the discomfort of making a change or hurting someone's feelings dissuade you from implementing change. You could have a a person that you believed in, you obviously believed in them, you hired them, but they're not a good fit for the job, but they might be a better fit for another job. So in how you present the situation to not demotivate someone, when you're taking them out of the role that they think they're succeeding in and telling them it's just not working for the business, it's a skill you develop and you hope that people will see the opportunity developing that, look, I didn't want to cut you loose. I didn't want to let you go. I'm going to move you to this position because I think this person would be better in that position. And you develop a style where you can keep a good team and uh, identify the strengths and weaknesses in people and employ their services in a way that benefits the overall business. Did you have any uh, core values or sort of principles that you use to operate your businesses and, and kind of instill those within the people you hired? I'd say the core values would apply to any business. You want to be a, a good person to your employees and your customers. You want to demonstrate honesty, loyalty with not only your customers, but your vendors, because if you're a good customer, pay your bills on time and demonstrate loyalty to vendors, not always grinding them on price or posing them with unrealistic expectations on delivery times, that vendor loyalty is returned to you tenfold. Uh, So uh, honesty, loyalty, and uh, generally being a good person are keys to success in any business. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I meant uh, specifically in terms of employees that you hired. Um, because, again, when you're kind of gathering a team together or bringing people on board, there are certain values that you can choose to instill. Um, and I think they shape the narrative in a lot of ways. They kind of help define, you know, the overall vision of the company as opposed to just putting people in place and replacing them when they don't function. Um, I just wanted to hear sort of your perspective on that sort of a uh, structure. Sure. I think openness plays a big role in it. You know, I, I, I pride myself on never feeling, although I may be the owner founder of a business that anyone within my organization was beneath me and didn't deserve my time where I would expect all my managers to deal with them. Uh, it would sometimes shock someone. For example, my office was at Suburban Graphics, but from that office, I managed with Dan, of course, all four taverns, the limousine company and, and other businesses. And it would not only surprise employees, but pleasantly shock them when I would invite a good performing dishwasher or busboy to my office and they think, oh man, I'm being called to the owner's office. What did I do wrong? Am I getting fired? And just give them a pat on the back and maybe a hundred dollar bill off the books and say, I appreciate the job you're doing. I've gotten great input from your managers, from my customers, and I want to acknowledge that in person. And by doing things that, that little, relatively minor, you motivate your people to do a great job, keep doing a good job, and they very well may remain in that position or may grow within your company. For example, the, the largest tavern I, I developed uh, was a place with a 60-person dining room, two-level building, and the gal that ended up being my general manager started with me at another tavern location as a new hire waitress, but she did a great job. She was good with people, was reliable. And as I grew my little empire, I saw traits in her that I admired and showing her that I had faith in her to let her run a business that did over a million dollars a month in revenue People enjoy and appreciate being acknowledged for what they do. And I attribute the success I realized by entrusting my employees with the kind of growth potential and power that I bestowed upon them by, by having that faith. And that demonstrating that to your people helps you grow your business. 100%. Um, let's talk about some of the failures and challenges along the way. Um, you know, what were some pivotal moments that you remember and that you've kind of learned from and uh, had to have, had to deal with um, throughout this journey? Well, uh, one of the businesses my book describes was a bungee tower that Dan and I opened. There was a time when bungee jumping was very popular. It was growing in leaps and bounds until there were three accidents that were recorded and shown on the nightly news all across the country. Bungee jumping went from being 
a $50 million a year recreational activity to having nearly zero sales. Dan and I purchased our own tower crane to operate our bungee tower from. It was just off the Las Vegas Strip. It was situated on a piece of land we owned between the main freeway running from Las Vegas to Los Angeles and the Las Vegas Strip. So it had great visibility. It was a 280 foot tall tower crane. All the puzzle pieces were in place until these three accidents occurred. Unfortunately, the accidents, although being highly publicized, had the reporters described it accurately, they were all temporary cranes rolled into a parking lot with jumping cords that were pieced together by the operator improperly. I spent over $10,000 a cord to have cords made for my jump heights, 140 and 240 foot. I didn't take five 25 foot cords and buckle them together like some guys did. Those accidents were based on those shortcuts people made. We had a fully licensed by the city as an amusement ride activity. We were fully insured and the operators that failed didn't have those things going for them. But the media didn't report. If you enjoy bungee jumping, look for these things. Proof of licensing hanging. Proof of insurance hanging. Don't go to a temporary tower or a temporary crane site. Instead, they just said bungee jumping isn't as safe as you thought it was. Right. Look at these accidents. And the industry died and we lost nearly a half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's a pretty significant failure. But we were at a point in our professional careers that we could absorb that kind of loss with the profits being generated by other successful businesses that it didn't devastate us. Um, Talk about challenges. I was in great shape, um, worked out even after the Marine Corps every day. And at the age of 53 was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. It's a cancer that has an 8% survival rate. I caught it early, had a surgery that removed my esophagus and half my stomach, which is why I appear this thin. It's hard to keep weight on. I survived the surgery. I survived a year of recovery. And now here I am 16 years later, able to talk about it because of early detection. And I believe no body is made to be cut open from your jawline to your belly button for 12 hours. And the only reason I survived it was early detection and being in good physical condition. And I'm, I'm here to talk about it, but that was a great challenge, which uh, has its own chapter in the book. I think the book serves as an inspiration and a motivation for people. Uh, one thing that's inescapable, in life, as an entrepreneur, you're gonna encounter obstacles. Although those obstacles are inescapable, letting them defeat you is something you do have control over. You need to take those challenges on, find a way to overcome them, as I described some challenges I faced and prevailed in the long run. And the book serves to motivate people to pursue their dreams. Absolutely. Um, I know we're short on time, but please let the people know, you know, what inspired you to write the book and where they can find it? Sure. 
Uh, my website is, you can find it on Amazon, Tenacity by Ron Corey, C-O-U-R-Y, or roncoreyauthor.com is a website we maintain that has a quick link to order the book. Um, also, the audiobook is quite unique. I didn't just hire a good voice. I hired a well-known Hollywood actor named Michael Madsen from Donnie Brasco and Reservoir Dogs to record my audiobook. Um, what motivated me to write the book is as I looked back on my life after surviving cancer and thought, this could be an interesting story to some people. The different businesses I got into, how I raised the money to get into them, how we survived the challenges of succeeding in business in a very competitive environment. And as I started writing an outline, I saw there was possibly a pretty interesting story to be told. So it became a book. And when I did the research about books and learned that over 25% of all books sold today are sold as an audio book, I decided to hire an actor to make my audio book stand out compared to others. And uh, it took me two years to get the book written, another year to get it out. And uh, as I said, go to roncoreyauthor.com and you can order the book. And I think based on the reviews I've been blessed to receive from people who've read it, um, it's really a good book. And I think your viewers would enjoy the read or the listen, as it were. Absolutely. And Audible is one of our sponsors. So go to audibletrial.com slash flex and you can get tenacity for absolutely free. I would encourage everybody to check it out. Well, um, thank you, Marsh. Thank you very much. No